0: Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the Christ and Classics podcast where we, what do we do? We read, no, we discuss classics in light of Jesus the Christ. And today we have the distinct uh, privilege of talking with an old friend about not really old books, <laughs> uh, but the author's no longer alive. We continue our series this uh, this month or so in uh, C.S. Lewis, and we've got Keith Kresge with us. Uh, Colton, who is who is this guy?
1: Well, Keith Kresge. We uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you met Keith back in your. Glory days at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington DC. Did y'all cross paths at Capitol Hill with Devra? We were like
0: ships in the night.
1: Y'all, y'all both did the internship there, but
0: <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs>
1: we all three met we all three met uh at seminary up in uh Minneapolis and uh quickly grew to be close friends. You and Devin, you and Keith uh were a little bit closer You guys were in a small group together for two, three years. Is that correct? The right key,
0: not long enough. Yeah, that's my two three years.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so like uh, met in seminary. Lots of discussions in seminary. Lots of times playing ping pong in seminary. And Keith Kresge is the guy. He and um another one of our good friends in our in our cohort, uh, I consider probably two of the the sharpest guys in the bunch. Who. um uh, whenever, whenever you speak, whenever they yeah. speak, you just listen and just allow them to just sharpen you. And yeah. that's, I think, I think I'm, I'm really excited to, to have you on Keith and really recording or not, we get to just discuss some pretty, um, important matters, uh, with Lewis today. And I'm, I'm excited just about that as well. So, so Keith, tell us about where you're at now. Who, Who are you? Where are you at? Um, what's your background with Lewis to start us off? Okay, I am
2: Keith Kresge and right now I'm living in Michigan on the farm I grew up on. I am Mm. recently exiting farming. I was doing crop farming and before that dairy with my, uh, my dad and my brother. But now I'm uh, moving out of farming, although I'm still a beekeeper and trying to pay the bills in the, in the interim right now with bees.
3: Um, I got
2: my bachelor's and my MDiv from Bethlehem College and Seminary with these mm. these guys. Mm. I'm not qualified for this discussion, but I it was more really than happy to come on it. And- <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to some H- of the podcasts. H- to us. <laughs> yeah plus no. you had my old colleague on with uh you know Dr. Ward last time so i figure it's you know kind of the same <laughs> the same he knows, general whole got him you know, everything he knows. obviously <laughs> you know like so you, term you, farmer you know and, and then my so uh,
1: you you went through a classical christian curriculum uh in a homeschool environment is that correct no
2: no i was no, no. homeschooled by my mom she homeschooled all eight of us, but uh-huh. it wouldn't have been classic; would have been Christian by uh-huh. by nature of us being a family. Um, but classical education wouldn't have really reached our circles very much. It would have been sort of a garden variety um, homeschool education that had its strengths and weaknesses that, of course, are shaped in the you know formed in the shape of the parents who are uh, who are running that education. So. My did you read Lewis
3: before college
2: writing and writing that, And that was a, a help to me in, in high school. We did co-ops and things, you know, to supplement.
1: Nice. Did you read Lewis, um, before, uh, coming to college?
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would have read, um, some of Lewis's, some of his essays. I would have read most of his fiction. In high school, I don't know about the space trilogy. Before college, I think I would have. Um, I remember reading *The Great Divorce* in the car on the way to co-op with uh, my best friend mm. on the you know, in junior and senior year. Um, <clears throat> but definitely did the laps through the the chronicles, and um, I'm not sure how far I got in high school in Lewis. Besides, probably some essays here and there.
1: I think
0: that's respectable. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I didn't read anything of Lewis until I was in college, sophomore year. I think I read half of *Mere Christianity*, and that's all. Yeah, I noticed
2: you ask Dr. Ward that you were reading the *Narnia* chronicles in anticipation of his uh, his guest <laughs> appearance.
1: That's not that's not entirely true.
2: I felt that that was playing him a little bit dirty. I I felt he deserved to know that you were.
1: That wasn't entirely true. (laughs) That's not entirely
2: true. Almost the maiden voyage with Holton through the night (laughs) because he landed Michael Ward. I really think
1: you should know that.
3: Yeah, that's good. Oh,
1: oh gosh! Okay, okay. Uh, where to now? Okay, so <laughs> Keith, well, other than the fact that we just enjoy talking with you, yeah. I think you it's and Devin, wild. you and Devin are are the two guys that I text most frequently from, from the cohort. I, mm. I enjoyed I enjoyed talking with you guys, but you've just finished reading or in list, reading, listening to all of Lewis's essays and letters. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Where would it to go here. Right here. So um, it's not in print. About $150 can get you your own copy. I got mine for real cheap. I hopped, uh, used books for a while until I found it. But right here, C.S. Lewis essay collection and other short pieces. I think it is the exhaustive anthology of everything he wrote that mm. was not full length. Um, So there's even, Mm -hmm. like, The Dark Tower at the end, some other Mm -hmm. fictional essays that he wrote. One of the most Mm -hmm. memorable pieces, Guardian Angels, or Ministering Angels, essay 132. You should read that sometime. Ministering Angels, that'll stick with you. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is a very expensive anthology that gives you all of his essays, but you can get it for, like, $14 on Audible. And it's read by Simon Vance. It's read excellently. And so mm-hmm. when I say I worked through all of his essays, all I did was I just listened to it a little bit every day. For while you were feeding the cows of,
1: and keeping cows the bees and fixing bees. fence.
2: Uh, we don't fix fence.
1: Oh. <laughs> My brother might. You don't have fence in Michigan?
2: No, we don't graze. Not enough land here.
1: Mm.
0: Well, it's, the shape is too nice.
1: <laughs> well, we asked Keith if he would pick out a couple of uh shorter essays that particularly grabbed his attention just so that we could uh make it the centerpiece of our discussion. And Keith chose a um a short essay, a really short essay, things like 3 or 4 pages called Democratic Education. Mm-hmm. But he also chose um the the short the short of uh, um, monologue that you'll find at the back of uh, the Screw Tape letters. Screw Tape proposes a toast, and uh, there it is, right there. You can find mm-hmm. it on. You, you, you can find both of these online for for free, um, mm-hmm. and in, in in various places. Uh, two great little great little pieces. Um, I, and so Keith, just to kick us off, tell us why did you choose these two?
2: Well. I- you asked me my favorite and in the conversation that came up, I said, I don't know what my favorite is, but why are you asking? And uh, <laughs> you said, well, I want to, we want to talk with you about it on uh, on our podcast. I thought, well, that's a little bit of a different criteria. <laughs> so, and so I tried to think about something that would generally pertain to the project of your podcast. I've been loosely following, uh, hitting the highlights, you might say, as you guys. You're, said, long you're
0: long one day. of our fans.
2: I am one of your fans.
1: is a fanboy.
2: Fan I honestly, the
1: don't know, honestly
2: don't know if I'm one of your subscribers. I probably ought <laughs>
1: to. <laughs> he's, like, he's like the he's like the guy who likes and follows and subscribes to everything. <laughs>
2: if Colton it's sends a- me the link,
3: I may <laughs> listen. <live. laughs> Perfect.
2: Some of the ones that stuck out to me were Democratic Education, which was new to me going through this. And a sort of inverted, fictionalized version of it that's a bit longer, and I think actually better, but it takes a little bit more thought. Screw tape first, the the demonic inversion of everything with Screw tape. Screw mm-hmm. like, tape likes it, likes it. You can't like it, and you got to figure out what he's saying. What well, Lewis behind Screw tape <laughs> thinks there's some. You know, ventriloquism going on, but uh, I thought that this is really pertinent to our time, so worthwhile talking about. I thought it was hmm. really pertinent to Colton as an educator and to Devin, who certainly someday will become an educator again. Although well, <laughs> well, he,
1: he he's a veteran who's who's um, retired for a time, but he's just waiting to hop back on the pony.
2: Yeah, he's just it's just a hiatus. He'll be back. Mm. He'll be back.
0: We'll see.
1: So, why is it?
0: pertinent to the times. I enjoyed the reading. Um, why did you find it especially pertinent?
2: Well, I think uh, Lewis is, is interested in heading off um, a sort of institutionalized envy that mm-hmm. has become a, a hallmark of our culture. And his at the time, it's clear he considers it a hallmark of American culture in Scrutay Proposes the Toast, although he doesn't say anything about that in Democratic Education. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, since he published it in 1944, things have gotten much worse in this regard. But I just think we all have egalitarian sensibilities in terms of uh, truth, goodness, and beauty of people and Mm -hmm. of of, uh, individuals. And so we tend to have an allergy against um, establishing sort of a hierarchy of goodness or hierarchy of intellect or a hierarchy of beauty among people and because the allergy is so strong it can really uh, affect the way we we educate and that's lewis's particular concern in this essay and i think it's one that it takes some thinking to figure out how we're going to uh, immunize ourselves against that that impulse mm-hmm. and that sensibility even as a parent you know you've got a parent you're a parent you got four kids they're not all gifted the same right they're not all born with the same you know, the same intellect. They're not all born with the same gifts of beauty or strength or speed or stature. And so mm-hmm. not making apology for that, not uh pretending as if every you know, they're ciphers for one another is uh, mm-hmm. a challenge that I don't have all the answers to figuring out how to do that well as a dad, but I think in the classroom it's a particular danger. Even in a Christian classical setting, I, I think it's it's ubiquitous
0: hmm yeah he seems to differentiate between uh like quote unquote democratic education and and then education that preserves democracy, which doesn't seem on the surface democratic yeah. um I thought that was yeah it's a it takes some thought because he he calls it Aristocratic education or something to that effect, the aristocratic education preserves democracy, democratic education doesn't um, that yeah can you um unpack i mean you didn't write it, but you like it, and you requested well, it i'm wondering <laughs> I'm wondering how you see that working out
2: um well. Both those kinds of democracies democracies are, the senses of them, of that word, are in both essays. Um, yeah. I think he speaks of democracy proper as just a sort of a, you know, it's a form of government. And one that in another essay on equality, he explains why he prescribes to democracy as a legitimate, maybe the best form of government, because it spreads authority thin and people aren't to be trusted (laughs) Um, but Mm -hmm. even in that essay on equality he he says I don't have near like the qualifications to be running a a civilization and nor do most of the people who are in that state and so uh, Lewis is a real curmudgeon in this way he hasn't been uh, cancelled the way he deserves to be uh, given how Mm -hmm. much of a hierarchicalist uh, Lewis is he's you know They'll just say, that, you know, that's a stupid boy. <laughs> and that's a clever boy. And he has him. Mm-hmm. That's just living out my life, from having to lie to these people.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and I think that was part of an old England for him that he remembered and was part of and wanted to hold on to. And he started to see sort of modernism come in and widen the expectation. And he puts his finger on the the vice of envy is the major um, driving force. He calls it insatiable. And Mm -hmm. he says a democratic sense of egalitarianism is teasing envy at a cultural level. Mm -hmm. We're going to give envy whatever it demands. And the thing that envy demands is that nobody can ever be better than anyone else. It's a, you know, as it develops into a hatred of any excellence whatsoever, I think that that's in a pretty advanced stage right now in uh, the nation broadly. I mean, when mm-hmm. you think about, um, you know, there are places where math is being, you know, labeled as racist in order to, you know, prevent this sort of, you know, somebody falling behind. Let somebody fall behind. We'll, you know, we'll give a, a narrative that explains why, um, you know, he ought not ever feel a trauma of being, at the bottom of the form or at the bottom of the class.
1: Yeah, I, I will say I was, um, surprised, at his, uh, argument here, that at, at the bottom of um this educational egalitarianism is envy i hadn't thought of that I, I i thought from um from my perspective as an educator it's like well um education typically doesn't quote want um those lower students to feel bad and but yep. what, but, at, but what's at the root of that feeling bad whenever you're um at the bottom of at the bottom and there's people succeeding above you. um, Perhaps that is envy. I I will say Lewis does say that there, he says uh, there are two sources to this democratic education. One is fair play, which, Mm -hmm. which I took to mean, um, uh, uh, democratic education in a, in in a good sense, as opposed to unfair play justice. Right. But then there's this, uh, this wicked source. Envy and um a, a hatred
2: of superiority is, yeah. is what he says second yeah. sources.
0: And it yeah. it seems a little bit like maybe in America anyhow that the the good source kind of ev or devolved into the bad source because at one point you have education as a way up you know, up the ladder, um and providing opportunity for more people than than maybe civilizations before but at some point along the way it's become uh it's become the hatred of of superiority yeah i think um, it's
2: so it, i think it would be a mistake to think that uh the attack on education is um is alone. I think the slide towards a, an egalitarian worldview that wants to say nobody's better in any way in any field is, is a larger thing. And I mm-hmm. do think that former generations, I think probably with every generation you go back, you're going to see a rise in a sort of innate sense that you know, I'm made, may, I might be made, lower in intellect right
3: mm-hmm. and that's like, mm-hmm. that's
2: a very possible reality i'm i'm listening to uh some some older english mysteries right now uh mm-hmm. a great one by a.a a. milne called the red house mystery the author of mm-hmm. winnie the Pooh wrote a, a murder mm-hmm. mystery definitely check it out <laughs> what happened
0: it? to Eeyore? <laughs>
2: yeah no but not really but it's a um It's sort of his homage to uh, Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. And then I'm 40 hours into a complete compilation of Sherlock Holmes. Wow. And reading this essay again, I was struck by uh, immediately the sense that that older England, um, these short stories are full of admiration. People freely admire and defer and honor. Uh, the giftings of Sherlock Holmes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Even Watson. Watson comes across sometimes as almost obsequious to us. Like I would, I would, you know, I would never, you know, you know yeah. it, it, it's almost uncomfortable. We don't like it. <laughs> At least I don't. I, don't, I have the sensibility that I don't like it. He's, he's, uh, sort of pandering or he's crawling. Um, and everywhere you go, you just run into people who say things like, "I'm just a simple country person." Right? Like, mm-hmm. Here's the way I see it, and you would know better than me, Mister Holmes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That sort of uh, comfortability with inferiority is something mm-hmm. that I think is just gone. It, it just seems gone, even in like mm-hmm. small circles. Like if you get into a family circle, if you get into a church circle, people are really reticent to talk very highly about another brother or a sister who's like exceptional. Mm -hmm. is uh putting yourself underneath somebody freely is not something that's done naturally i think it's because we all have the sense that you know i'm as good as you are we all have this sort of innate innate desire to sort of maintain what we know to be false is what lewis says. Mm -hmm. says nobody who says i'm as good as you are actually thinks it um and if somebody is, is superior to another, it would never occur to him to say, "I'm as good as you are." And uh, because there's an innate sense of superiority there
1: and, and And in Lewis's mind, he has in view the superior student for this form of education. Let me just quote this um, it's on uh, page five nine nine of your copy, Keith, right at the top, that paragraph. He says, "A truly democratic education." one which will preserve democracy so lewis is for democracy he's, he's for this education that will perpetuate right. democracy
2: which the demo the de- democratic people will not like right right,
1: right. Yeah. yeah so a truly demo uh quote a truly democratic education one will one which will preserve democracy must be in its own field ruthlessly aristocratic shamelessly highbrow in drawing up its curriculum it should always have chiefly in view the interests of the boy Who wants to know and who can know? Mm
3: -hmm. He says,
1: with very few exceptions, they are the same boy. The stupid boy nearly always is the boy who does not want to know. It Mm -hmm. must—I'll keep going. I'll just finish the paragraph. It—it must, in a certain sense, subordinate the interest of the many to those of the few, and it must subordinate the school to the university. Only thus can it be a nursery of those first-class intellects without which neither a democracy nor any other state can. Thrive. There's no education board today that's going to be preaching that from its pulpits to the, to the mass public yeah. today.
2: So, yeah, it's interesting. What he's saying is um, that the honorable source f- as a demand for equality, um, I think he is saying it's just and honorable to demand um, that even the unclever children get a chance at education in order that they become a better version of who they yeah. are, right? Yeah. This sort of people talk about, uh, you'll hear like Peterson talk about um, equality of opportunity. I think Lewis is saying here, that's an honorable thing. That's good. That's worthwhile. But previously, before uh, democracies came up and the idea was we're going to educate all of the children, we wouldn't have ever had to remind ourselves to outfit our curriculum and aim it at the gifted boy who wants to learn. We would not have had to remind ourselves of that because that's the only one who ever gets educated, right? It's like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. child who taught himself Latin and the, the country family realizes we can't, like, this kid is not going to milk cows again. Right? Like he is going somewhere and we got to get him a tutor. We got to send him off, find a patron for him. That's the guy who gets educated. And. And now democracy is giving broadly to everyone the gift of education. But Lewis is saying here we shouldn't we shouldn't think that because we're giving it to everyone, it's for everyone in the same way. <laughs> right? right? It's like we're, we're going to make sure we don't miss those gifted ones, and we're going to do um, an honest attempt at offering it to everyone, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. not going to benefit everyone in the same way, and we we ought not try to. Jimmy rig it in order to make it benefit <laughs> so everyone in the same way.
1: And the irony of it is, uh at least for the irony of our day and age, where um hyper differentiated education to make it more so-called equal, the the little Johnnies who uh don't want to know don't get educated anyways, and so we're we're lowering the standards for these little Johnnies. But they don't get educated anyway because they don't they don't want to, to know for whatever reason there is. Yeah,
2: it's interesting that uh, in the old system, when you only educated the precocious child who's very gifted, right? Which means I wouldn't have gotten gotten educated. I was way too you know undisciplined. I was slothful as a young boy. Like I had no desire for book learning. Right. This is mm-hmm. The guy who just
1: said the word obsequious. <laughs> praise God miracles happen
2: uh, uh, my train of thought was just uh, thrown off by, by uh,
0: you wouldn't people. have been educated as a child under the oh, old way
2: yeah in the, in the old way the people yeah. who didn't get an education would have probably had a sense of deficiency a sense of inferiority naturally baked in because they, didn't even, they might not have even learned to read, right? If you go back far enough, they might not have even learned to read. But Lewis thinks that if you maintain brutally high standards that do leave behind, or at least leave at the bottom of the class, those yeah. students who are indolent or who are, you know, uh, unintelligent, or it's just, it's not really for them, you're going to teach them the same thing. You're going to raise their level insofar as they can benefit some, and they're going to be the masses of the democratic people who are invaluable in maintaining a democracy. And they're mm-hmm. going to do it by a sense of their like um, inadequacies. Right? You're not going to have people who uh, people misplaced into positions of authority or positions of um, influence because they think that you know they think that they're. They're worthy of those positions. I think we're starting mm-hmm. to see through policies that are placing people based on I think, qualifications, to their, uh, their track record, their training, their proficiency. You start to see, you know, even presidents of major heavy league schools sort of reveal that it's like they've staked it together. I think they don't actually belong where they're standing.
3: Mm-hmm. And, uh,
2: and Lewis would say that's. I think
3: he's saying that's a fruit. Yeah. Being told you're as good as anyone, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: The um, I, I love that Lewis gets to that point where he says that the 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 boy who's not clever becomes or he he himself will be a pillar of democracy yeah. um, and he actually will just allow the right amount of rope to the to the clever ones
3: yep.
0: um and ultimately, it seemed like he's making a a societal argument uh equivalent to what Paul makes in first corinthians uh twelve in regards to the body and the different parts and Not every part has the same role and but they all, you know, fit together for one one purpose. And uh, certainly the egalitarian impulses tries to flatten everyone to the same potentiality and has no sense of or at least um, popularly has no sense of uh, hey. Even though we're equal in dignity, that doesn't mean we have the same capacities for, you know, you might be able to fix a car, I might be able to write a book, that guy might be able to build a rocket, this person might be able to stitch you up after you, you know, bust your finger yeah. open or something, you know?
2: I think it's worthwhile to remember that Lewis is writing mm-hmm. academia in this essay and mm-hmm. in
1: tape Analysis.
2: He's worried mm-hmm. about the assault on the economy in the fronts of truth, goodness, and beauty. I don't think he's trying to yeah. insult unduly uh, different kinds yeah. of intelligences. Yeah. I have family and I have in love with I think genuinely brilliant yeah. and they would, uh, they would qualify, I think, uh, in Lewis's essay here. They would qualify as the child who isn't clever. Right? He isn't the one who's going to excel in the like He's not going to, to do well in the academy. He's going to be at the back of the class whittling the wooden ball underneath the thing. Underneath yeah. When he gets out, there's a fierceness, an independence, a recognition of what he is and what he isn't. And it's not as if they, you know, they have no... In, in some ways, they're far, far more gifted. In, in right. I think of brother who's one of the more brilliant mechanics, and you know, he can do anything. He can do
3: absolutely mm-hmm.
2: um, His mind for puzzles and mechanical so solutions is incredible. When he saw me do a public speaking thing once, he was like. <laughs> and, and, you know, so it's not as if much um, as of like, oh, everybody's good at something, have no truth in them, right? And it is worthwhile remembering Lewis is writing as an academic with regard to the academy because the, the sort of uh, highly achieving academic students are the ones who are going to go on and lead society mm-hmm. from, from so, the sort of positions that he's talking about. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the and the the envy at the heart of all this, um, practically, contextually here and here at least in America, it plays itself out not primarily, from my experience, correct me if I'm wrong, not primarily within the heart of the student, but within the heart of the parent. The parents, um, in large part, want their children to succeed rightfully yeah. so but when a but when a when, but when a child can't succeed for maybe a lack of capacity or even a, mm-hmm. a, a lack of want um then the standards get um uh, equalized if you will now this this is really ironic because this is seeped into sports as well into athletics where it's really obvious when students at, athletes aren't equal right mm-hmm. like, um i I think many schools uh around the area um at least the last few that, that I've been at like there's no there's no um like a, a, a trying out for the team whenever I was in middle school if you want to try out for the basketball team, you had to try out and you either made the cut because you yeah. were good enough or you did, it. but now it's like yeah. um everybody gets a shot, which just means you you you're on the team but the actual gifted players are the ones playing and you don't get to play. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. And so, and how often is, are the dad and the mom jumping into the excuse making of the kid who didn't make the team, right? It's yep. like, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. So like there's favoritism going on. And that's the only reason why you sat this year right? or that's the reason why you didn't make, make the cut mm-hmm. um, rather mm-hmm. than sort of, you know, son, you're like, you're not qualified to start on that team. You're not even working for, it. Right, like apart from that, guy's got more height than you, more speed than you, and he's got a soft touch with the with the basketball. <laughs> like, you haven't run a mile since you started playing. Right? Um, yeah, that that's sort of like teaching our kids to like be frank about what who they are to start and what they've done with it, in order that they mm-hmm. not turn failure into excuses. I and it's,
1: it's humbling. Something- it's humbling from a from the perspective of a of a father uh, and mother too, because naturally like you you envision a, a life for your kids and whenever they don't or just can't or don't want to step into whatever gifting you would you envision for them it's like from up from from my perspective it's like well okay like you you're not cut out for what i hoped you would be cut out for yeah. and how how to how how to shepherd children through that in, in a gentle but transparent and honest, forthright way is... Well, um,
2: and that's just pure selfishness, right? Like, that's just like, you had ungodly ambitions, and you wanted to make your children in the image of maybe not even you, but who you want your children to be, maybe yeah. for private mm-hmm. reasons, right? And yeah. so, like, the, you know, the flip side is a sort of studying of your children, learning who is this kid? what mm-hmm. what is it made for and then recognizing what that kid can get and cannot get out of the education you should give them right mm-hmm, yeah. and and guarding them against being ruled by envy if they're at the back mm-hmm. of the class just like you you should do some shepherding to make sure that if they're at the front of the class they're not ruled by pride right um, yeah. and then and then, you know, counseling them towards the, the place where they actually fit well. Like, this kid is made to well. This kid is, I got a brother who I just think was made to fun. Like, he has the management capacity. He has an obsession with it. He's always thinking about it. He's always getting better. He's always thinking ahead about what do I need to do. <laughs> and, and he's like,
1: way have
2: to do the desire for that sort of thing. And so, God's given him that gift, and he would be ill-faced.
1: But there's a balance, too. There's a balance, too. I, I think it would be an error if we just kind of sat back and like let our children, like, oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to grow into without like putting some parameters? For, for, for example, practically, we want our children to play piano and to persist in that. Um, my oldest son is really thriving, just taking off. My My daughter if we if we stopped her she'd be totally fine with it but it's like we're going to press on that because we we find it valuable like for many different reasons so we're we're pressing it she might not be as gifted she might be a a c plus piano player but we're going to keep her and 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 um, press it. and i don't think that is a uh, i don't think that is simply um trying to form her into an artificial self-made image. So there there is a there is a, a, a tango that you have to be aware of.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I think for in the case of your daughter, you would you would want to keep an eye on diminishing returns. If she's if she's got C plus gifting in piano, should she play piano through high school? <laughs> like uh piano's not like a core education thing. Like could you give her something else that uh unless that is, it is yes.
1: Pardon. I said unless it is a core educational piece.
3: I think With music you know,
2: major <laughs> said that that musician is a core educational.
1: Music guess, music singing, literacy it
2: probably could be and music generally is. Mm-hmm. Instrumentalists instrumentalist would be a, a Yeah, core that's fair
1: like when the, the, the when the, if, I, if if you've pressed your if you've pressed your child uh, and have and and the and the child isn't thriving, but is persisting at a uh, sort of kind of maybe at the bottom. Let's say a C plus range, C minus range. It could be a good time to cut them off at some point. Yeah,
2: I mean there are lessons so, to be learned in slogging through something don't you don't
1: mm-hmm. like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it requires wisdom to discern some of that, but it's good to be aware that sometimes it is. It's the The parents' desires over and above the child's desires, and yeah, the envy. My goodness, uh, reading reading both of these pieces, and in light of of um, abolition of man, it's just it is a little depressing uh, as I step back and you know survey the landscape.
2: Yeah, once again. Once again, Lewis managed to call it, but not stop it.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. So it does kind of leave you wondering, like, what could we do? You know, Um, we certainly pray, certainly faithfully parent our children and seek. um, Yeah. I mean, seek to, to do some good for the next generation in that way but do you have any other ideas?
2: Um, I wouldn't understand those things, but I, I think also working to make, to, to choose to take part in and um, unapologetically promote a church that is willing to sort of be no nonsense about that sort of thing. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I think in light of this conversation, the egalitarian question about like women preaching, like women up front, like I understand yeah. that's probably not a hornet's nest that Christ in classics wants to hit. <laughs> you know, <what> you... <laughs>
3: um,
2: but, but like you begin to understand like a church that just is able to say you're not made for that, right? Stop chasing something you're not made for. Right? And to mm-hmm. say that in obedience to scripture, I think is a, you know, a, a, a important step towards a culture of people who are gladly submissive to whatever God has made them for on an mm-hmm. individual basis in, in relation to, you know, their sex, um, in, in relation to their station in life. Um, yeah. you know, a, a pulpit that it is under no illusions that everyone is equal. Is a, mm. a gift to the the community.
1: Yeah, yeah, amen. And a and a and a and a pastor or a team of pastors who can, um, artfully, d- uh, place congregants in places where they thrive individually, to yeah. uh,
3: to bless mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I think another way, yeah. Devin, is to not, um, not just mistake it. Um, as like, well, we need to teach our kids to have like the humility to recognize how they've been made. But uh, I'll read a passage if I can find it quick um, that shows there's something bigger here than just humility. Mm -hmm. Um, Equality is purely a social conception. It applies mm to man as a political and economic animal. It has no place in the world of the mind. Beauty, there's one of the triad, is not democratic. She reveals herself more to the few than to the many, more to the persistent and disciplined seekers uh, than to the careless. Virtue, that'd be goodness, is not Mm -hmm. democratic. She is achieved by those who pursue her more hotly than most men. Truth is not democratic. She demands special talents and special industry in those to whom she gives her favors. Political democracy is doomed if it tries to extend its demand for equality into these higher spheres—ethical, there's goodness again; intellectual, there's truth; or aesthetic democracy is death. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, like, cultivate taste for excellence in goodness, truth, and beauty in your kids. Right? Like, if your family has Twinkies Saturday night, and that's like your thing. I right. like get a better thing. Right? Like, slowly, <laughs> like as they get older, care about their tastes. Give them better things. Like yeah. teach them that, and 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 have conversations. I remember getting in a fight with my sister about whether or not bananas were good in smoothies. I don't
0: like. Did bananas. you say yay or nay? Pardon? Did you say yay or nay?
2: Of course they are. Bananas are absolutely good in smoothies. Yeah, they're, the,
0: they're the bedrock of a smoothie.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so like they're objectively good in smoothies right? and so it's like well but I don't like good, I don't like smoothies like, that does not change the fact that yeah. they are good in smoothies <laughs> and we were able to get into a conversation that like you know caviar I may not have a taste for it that doesn't mean it's not like
3: excellent right yeah um, yeah. Um and uh, I
2: also don't have a pocketbook for it that doesn't so right. Um. So, in truth, in goodness, and beauty, and music is a big one. I, mm-hmm. you know, if I hate kids' books, in large measure, just like I hate kids' music in large measure. Um, but if you don't hate kids. I love kids. <laughs> I got the the most beautiful. I mean, they are you know, beautiful. I'm, you know, I'm an objectivist. Right. <laughs> You know that I'm willing to say if one of them's not beautiful, and I've got <laughs> beautiful kids in the freaking world. So, uh, but you know, uh, kids' music is like, oh, this is the, this is the worst. Like, I don't want it's my dumb. kids to have this stuck in their head for the rest of their life. It's pandering mm-hmm. and gross and just like I don't know, marshmallow feeling down and. Mm-hmm. I've on learned, a I've learned that my son can listen to psalms put to classical, like arranged in, like, you know, like form music. Music I don't even know. Like I don't even have language to like explain. Uh, mm. he, he knows psalms and can say them, sing them. Wow. Yeah. So I care about. Try to have your kids grow up with better taste than you. And care about your own taste, right? Like more
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: you know, becoming making better kombucha. Oh non-alcoholic beer. I've got some, some
1: kombucha, kombucha right here. <laughs> kombucha right here. That's right.
3: <laughs>
1: better shows too. Better TV. If you're gonna watch TV, you better be watching this one right here, the best Disney movie of all time, Robin Hood. It's like 1960 it something. That's good taste right
2: there. Maybe it is. It, it is the best.
1: It's the best one.
2: one. I know. Bananas I, are good in smoothies. Mm. Like,
1: oh, is that you, Devin? Yeah. Ah, so good. So you good.
2: never ever have to listen to any cold music besides stuff. Yeah. that's what it should be it should become <laughs> federal standard you're on hold you get to listen to whistle that's yeah. true That's true.
1: guys the the, the big takeaway that I'm uh, that I have right now personally within my within my mind is is that um, it's okay uh, and it's good it's rather good appropriate and good uh, to be and to feel inferior at at many points throughout our lives. And we didn't talk about this, uh, but it's good and appropriate to be and feel superior in other aspects of our lives. Um, But it's never okay to be envious of those who are superior. And um, I'm not sure if Lewis said it in in his essays, but it's also never appropriate to be um, arrogant and pridefully mm. um, puffed up with your superiority, yeah. so that, like, practically for, for me, this works itself out. It's like you could say, you can say things like, "Yeah, I'm good at that." I feel like in a, 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 a lot of our circles, you say you say something like, "You know, I'm I'm pretty good at trumpet. I I know Greek pretty well." yeah also and then folks are like folks are like, whoa you need to just check yourself you need to watch are you, you need to check your heart are you are you are you, are you are you prideful right now it's like ah <laughs> uh, i don't i don't know yeah. I don't think so yeah mm-hmm. you know
2: yeah. we always have to like do this sort of false humility where I, you know i I pitch a little bit and then you like go out <laughs> and <you know> <laughs> It turns out like that guy was scouted by the Washington Nationals and he hasn't even got on prior fastball and uh you know it would be better to say, Yeah, I fish, I'm I'm pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or 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 in Keith or in Keith's uh, context, I've uh, I've milked a I've probably milked a couple of cows in my life. <laughs> so, so thrown, yeah. I've I was, I I I've thrown a couple bales of Alfalfa while likes Lewis novel.
2: Bales of hay. You don't throw bales of hay.
1: <laughs> I think one well, other thought- way,
2: Nevin, your question is the one that's been in my mind before our meeting even. It's like, where do we go from here? Like, how do we combat in our families, in our hearts, in our lives, in our churches mm-hmm. like a world that has like, deep sensibilities that hate and reject all sense of inequality, right? Superiority. Like
3: mm-hmm. nobody
2: should have to deal with the trauma of feeling inferior.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think one of the ways is to just be excellent at whatever you're doing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: like, actually excel, which is convicting for me because I kind of feel like I've got a bunch of things that I'm average at. <laughs> yeah. um, but just love, like loving the world loving your family. Uh, if you're into kombucha, just like make it. For that. Every time somebody tastes your kombucha, they are talking about the superior, right? Not inferior, not equal. The superior kombucha of Texas, right? Um, and, and I, you know, I think uh, going, you know, living sort of Hard after that, and and not being abashed about um, really dedicating yourself to that in in culture mm-hmm. is worthwhile.
0: Yeah, I was thinking along those lines as well. Like, do everything that you can, that you put your your hand to uh, to the best of your ability, right, and seek to to grow. That may not be. It may not be superior to everyone else's efforts, but um seems like the hard work pays dividends and uh in and across other you know, other disciplines as well. Um and the it I guess the sameness that's expected across um yeah, just I, I, it, it doesn't really matter what you're talking about. Let's, if it's academics, the sameness that's expected across the board is, um, this is not the way it ought to be. There's a, a beauty and diversity and we bring different, I mean, even in our cohort, when we were all together, we all had different strengths. And if we're comfortable in that and we pursue those strengths, um,
3: I think we're probably the better for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: one of the ways, uh, I think a, a culture that's sold out to envy and to egalitarianism, you know, Lewis talks about the wheat heads where the mm-hmm. ancient Greek monarch or dictator, his object lesson was, with how to keep a people in subjugation was to snick off the heads of any, any wheat heads that rose above their peers. Mm -hmm. And then Lewis says, and now our, our wheat stocks are snicking off their own heads in order to just be another stock. I think that's Mm -hmm. almost code for a lack of ambition. Right. Mm -hmm. A sort of like, like if you said you're going to plan a church, Devin, Mm
3: mm-hmm.
2: That's like, why? And you're like, I think, like, I really want to see this done well, and this done well, and this done well. And they said, like, you just think you can do that better than everyone else. It's like, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, shoot, I don't want to. Supreme. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like, no, you want to have ambition to be the best, most committed, you know, pastor, whatever you're doing. Or. Yep if a coffee shop, like you shouldn't want to be just another coffee shop. Be the best one in the area. Have mm-hmm. enough ambition to beat out the competition. Um
3: yeah. you know really you know being
2: hard enough and ambitious enough to
3: mm.
2: to pursue superiority is a it's co relative to the whole conversation that we're having. It's, it's It's a way to not Mm -hmm. take your own head off preemptively.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and the only issue that would arise then is a matter of the heart, whether or not your it's your your motives going into it, because it's not. I'll be willing to wager that the 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 pure pastor isn't wanting to plant a church mainly to draw attention to himself, but to meet a need or yeah. like you the 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 local coffee shop owner isn't doing it just to gain fame he's probably doing it to make an income so he wants to be he wants to be good to have customers to come back to make an income but also to just enjoy the craft of
2: yeah, making
1: great just, coffee
2: yeah
1: yeah and that's admirable in itself and yeah. the flip side is knowing when to not pursue such an avenue when you're not qualified or, or, (laughs) or, uh, gifted for that Yeah. and being okay with it and celebrating others' superiority in that.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. I, uh, man, it's fun talking to you guys. We should, uh, (laughs) I was
1: going to say, I love talking to you,
2: Keith. Once a month. I love talking
1: to you, Keith
2: Colton can say he's publishing it, but Colton you can just
1: crumple him up and throw him away
3: what is <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well i don't know I don't know about that whenever you whenever you you speak it's like it's like gold coming out right <laughs>
0: so you've always been uh, good on your feet really
3: oh, good. yeah
1: like you uh, you you mentioned to me one time over the phone and you hit it spot on you said something like well, whenever we were in seminary, I was particularly i, I wasn't the best at like generating outstanding essays and, and papers, but whenever somebody presented theirs, I was I sure was good at sharpening their ideas for them. <laughs> <laughs> you said something like that, and I thought Keith, Keith's the kind of guy you want around whenever you're thinking through a topic because he's gonna he's gonna sharpen you really well, and just yeah. just the guy to have you around in uh in general. So I'm well, I've been real again. been real delighted to. It's been, a, it's been
2: a real blessing to my wife over the years too. It's just <laughs> sure. you know, the inability to generate sort of a vision or something just out of my own head, but a real ability to critique is
0: <laughs> yeah, the, Lord, the Lord have mercy. <laughs>
1: well speaking of that, oh you guys hear that? No.
0: You'll hear it you're about to hear it. That a little rock and roll?
3: Yeah, that's Micah.
1: (laughs) All right.